Welcome into Hitting Hard with John Chuckery here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Today on the show, we're seeing stars. What's in store for July and how close is Arthur? It's all next. It's Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, Locked On Sports Atlanta. This is Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. And it starts now. Hitting Hard is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We ask you to subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcast and get the latest episodes of Hitting Hard as soon as they become available. Also, check us out on the SiriusXM app and give me a follow on my personal Twitter page at JMCH316. So the All-Star Game starters were announced uh, yesterday. Now, we obviously knew Ronald Acuna Jr., who was the leading vote-getter in the National League, was going to start. But, obviously, there were lots of Braves that were up for a starting spot uh, on there. And so, at the end of the day, it came down, and it was two additional starters for the Atlanta Braves. So, here's your starting, you know, lineup. I mean, not in any particular order, but the DH is going to be J.D. Martinez. Sean Murphy of the Braves is going to catch. Freddie Freeman at first base. Luis Arias at second base. Nolan Arenado at third, Orlando Arcia at shortstop, Corbin Carroll at uh, one outfield spot, Mookie Betts at the other outfield spot, and obviously Ronald Acuna Jr. at the other outfield spot. So let's go through the Braves. So first off, the Braves had three of the nine guys that are going to be in the starting lineup. So that's that's a remarkable feat. Um, we'll talk more about the Braves as far as who else is going to be on the team. But let's start with Sean Murphy. Again, one of the best defensive catchers in all of Major League Baseball. He's been that way for the last few years. What was really trying to see if he could catch up was his offense. And now that you've gotten him out of Oakland Alameda Coliseum, which is one of the most dreadful places to have to play and hit in, that ballpark just deadens all of your numbers. Now you're seeing what he's able to do offensively. Having a great year, 13 homers, 44 RBIs, hitting 289 with a 385 on base percentage in a 926 OPS. So I don't think there's a whole lot of doubt when you combine his offensive production now and the fact that he's arguably one of the one, two, three best defensive catchers. And probably in all seriousness, he's probably a top four to five MVP candidate. I think Ronnie's one and far out in front. Freddie's probably two, but somewhere in that, you know, three, four, five range is Sean Murphy for how valuable he's been to this ball club. So he's been outstanding for the Braves this year. Obviously, Ronald Acuna Jr. goes without saying. He's the clear-cut, far-and-away MVP of the National League. I, I don't know how there could be really, truthfully, any debate to all of that. 19 homers, 51 RBI, 71 runs scored. So he's on pace for over 140 runs that he'll score this year. Now, again, we'll see what happens, you know, through the season. The thing that I love about Ronnie, uh, again, with everything else, but now he's really coming into, you know, into full bore of stealing bases, 36 stolen bases this year. It's been a few years since we've seen somebody in the National League steal even 60 bases. I think it was 2017 that D. Gordon, you know, who was a guy who, when he got on base, was always running. But 
Short of D. Gordon, we have not seen very many guys that have stolen 60 to 70 bases in the National League of late. Been a few guys in the American League, but not many guys in the National League. So the fact that Ronnie's on pace for 70-plus steals is a remarkable number, and I love that number about the Braves. Look, I, I've always said the Braves need to use their speed even more. They need to they need to take advantage of how much speed that they have on the base paths and, and, come, and let it all put together. Then you come to Orlando Arcea, who I'm I'm very surprised that he's the starting shortstop for the All-Star game. Now, did I think that he deserved to be on the All-Star team? Yeah, we talked about this a few weeks ago. He absolutely deserved to be on the All-Star team. But I would have thought that, again, with fan voting and this and that and what have you, that he wouldn't be a starter for the All-Star game. But Braves country has obviously come out in full support of him having a terrific year again first time starting since 2019 32 homer 32 runs scored sorry six homers 26 rbi hitting 303 with a 358 on base and a 436 slugging for a 794 ops and he's been really good with the glove he's been a really good defensive player for the braves which we knew would happen but now all of a sudden his bat has come around and supported so, again, I don't know that many people had on their bingo card that Orlando Arcia was going to be the starting short, uh, starting uh, all-star shortstop for the National League. But here he is <clears throat> in a remarkable season. And I think he's a guy that has thrived in a position to where now that he knows he can play every day for this club, he thrives in that position. And I think I don't want to say that it's a chip on his shoulder, but obviously proving that, look, we can do, I can do this without Dansby. You know, again, I can be a good, I can be a good replacement for a Dansby Swanson. And he's had a remarkable year. Uh, that that has been the year that in all honesty has come completely out of nowhere. We knew it could be a good defensive shortstop. Again, he's missed the 20 games, but still, when you look at his offensive production, it's been outstanding. And how many clutch moments has Orlando Arcia had this year? And that's the thing about the Braves is that they've had so many clutch moments from whether it's the leadoff hitter and Ronald Acuna, who's the MVP of the league, to guys like Arcia batting eighth and ninth and, and doing all kinds of magical things. It's been one heck of a run. Now, when we look at the All-Star uh, game, I still think that, again, we talked about this the other day, I think Bryce Elder and Spencer Strider are going to be uh, two of the pitchers that are going to be selected. Elder leading the league in ERA, six and one. And Strider, while his ERA is a little bit high, but still, he's got the name value and recognition. Now he's that dominant strikeout pitcher. And again, he's nine and two. He's second in the league in wins. Nine and two with a 373 ERA. And he's on pace for almost 300 strikeouts. He's going to break the single season record, which we called back earlier in the year. Again, he's on pace to, to break that record and, and, and push toward 300 strikeouts for this club. So he's now a guy who has that name recognition. So I definitely think that Elder and Strider are going to be all-stars. Now, the other two guys that I look at, Matt Olson. Uh, again, Matt Olson could have could have been the starting second, or sorry, first baseman, but I think Freddie Freeman's having a monster year, and I think he's second in the MVP voting. But still, Olson. 26 homers, 62 RBI. He's on pace for 
50 plus homers, which would be a franchise. If he hits the 52, that's the franchise record. 62 RBIs. He's on pace for over 120 RBI. He's on pace for about 120 runs, 59 runs scored. And obviously, you know, again, the 14 doubles, uh, the 888 OPS. His on base is pretty good at 346. Probably not, you know, what we're used to seeing out of Matt Olson. Um, the only thing about Olson is that he does have, and it's a very interesting number. He's on pace for 100 walks and 200 strikeouts. I don't know how many guys in baseball that we've seen do that. 100 walks and 200 strikeouts, but that's the kind of whole, uh, hitter that Olson is. And I think that I like him better in that third, fourth spot where he can be more of a run producer than a high on base guy. Let Ozzy and some of those, and Michael Harrison, some of those guys stay in that two hole to use their speed and on base and things like that. But Olsen definitely deserves to be an all-star. And then the other guys, obviously Ozzy Albies. I mean, look, 18 homers, 56 RBI for a middle infielder, 41 runs scored, um, 809 OPS, you know, forget the batting average and all this kind of stuff. He's one of the best run producing middle infielders in all of major league baseball. Obviously he's a very good defensive player. The only thing about Ozzy is that I'm, I'm a little disappointed in the fact that he's only stolen six bases this year. I thought he'd be one of those guys that would thrive as the game has changed and all that good stuff, but certainly six stolen bases with no, no uh, caught stealing attempts. It's a nice number, but I would have thought that number would have been a little bit higher. So Olsen, Ozzy, Elder, Strider. And then the outside candidate could be potentially Austin Riley when all is said and done. We'll see. But I think that those four guys for sure deserve to be all-stars. And again, the three starters in the uh, game, Braves are going to be loaded when it comes to the all-star game with how they're represented. Because look, they're the best team in the National League. They should be well represented. All right, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel. FanDuel is America's number one sports book, and we're definitely getting into the you know second second part of the uh, MLB season. It'll be coming up here in just a couple of days. FanDuel has got you covered where if you're a new customer to FanDuel, you can sign up and claim your no-sweat first bet where you can get as much as $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Sign up today at FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N and claim your no-sweat first bet where if your first bet doesn't win, you can get as much as $1,000 in bonus bets. FanDuel is safe, secure, super easy to use. It allows you to bet on everything from money lines to prop bets to how many homers Aaron Judge is going to hit and everything in between. So head to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N and claim that no-sweat first bet where if your first bet doesn't win, you can get as much as $1,000 in bonus bets. $1,000 in bonus bets if that first bet doesn't win. FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel.com slash L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. FanDuel's the official partner of Major League Baseball. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. So we were all over what the Braves were going to do in June. Now, we talked about the fact that, okay, they had games head-to-head where if they could take care of their business against the Phillies and the Mutts, that they would certainly expand this lead because there was a lot of last-place teams that the Braves were going to see in the month of June. And they obviously, you know, they ran a pretty good gauntlet in their schedule in the first couple of months of the season, right, with the Padres and the Mutts. You know, they were supposed to play a five-game series 
up in New York that got a lot of rain out and all this good kind of stuff. So their schedule the first two months of the year was actually pretty good, actually pretty tough. You mix the Dodgers in and all this good kind of stuff. Now, you know, again, in the month of June, we talked about the idea that, okay, this would be moving month for the Braves, right? They talk about in golf that Saturday is moving day where guys, you know, get up and down in the standings. This was going to be moving month for the Atlanta Braves in the month of June. So now what does July have in store? Well, you know, if you look, I mean, obviously the Braves are going to start a series against the Marlins here tonight. And if they can, you know, sweep the Marlins, now you really put them behind the eight ball. Now, now you're putting them in a position where they've got no shot. I mean, they they get to 10 games back and we're, you know, 4th of July, it's going to be over. I mean, I think the division is over anyway. I don't see any scenario where the Miami Marlins catch the Atlanta Braves as far as how well that they've played. But the Braves will take on the Marlins tonight. Then it becomes, again, another couple of American League teams. They're in Cleveland to take on the Guardians and then at Tampa Bay, which, to be honest with you, that Tampa Bay series really could be a World Series preview when all is said and done. And I don't want to jinx it, but that obviously sets itself up to be a World Series preview for those two teams. Those have been two of the best teams, or probably the two best teams, along with maybe the Texas Rangers. But those two teams have been at the top of the heap in both American and National League. That really could be a World Series preview. We could be looking back here in a few months and saying, hmm, okay, we got a chance to see Tampa Bay you know, earlier on in the season. Then you take on the White Sox, who are not a very good team. Arizona is coming home. So you're, or I should say Arizona is coming into your place. So that obviously is a chance for the Braves to kind of flex their muscles. First place uh, divisional you know, leader in Arizona. Then it's Milwaukee, Boston, and then Milwaukee again. So again, Milwaukee's in first place, kind of floundering around. Then you squeeze the Red Sox in between, who's a last place team. And then, you know, again, you get to, to the uh, Angels. That will be at the very end of the month. The very last day of the month is when the uh, Braves take on the uh, Angels, but we won't really talk about that series. So, again, you look at these series. Tampa Bay series is going to be a lot of fun, but there are still plenty of games on this schedule in the month of July that the Braves could really take advantage of. White Sox, Red Sox, some not very good teams. And, again, you could beat up on Arizona. They're coming to your place. So they're coming all the way across the West Coast to come into your place. <clears throat> Even though they're a division leader, they've got to play you. Milwaukee's a team that, okay, they lead the division, but that central is not very good. And again, I don't think that the Brewers are very much of a threat to the Braves. You look at these playoff teams in the National League right now, Arizona, uh, Cincinnati, the Brewers, you know, again, um, uh, in the uh, NL uh, Central, I mean, it, that division is kind of just, you know, floundering all around. Like nobody scares you in the playoff, the Giants, another team. Nobody kind of scares you right now about who the you know beasts of the NL are. You know, certainly the Dodgers are there, but again, they've not played all that well. I mean, they played well, but they're third in their division behind the Giants and the Diamondbacks, who've been really one of the big surprises of the National League this year, and the Marlins along with them. But there's nobody you should fear in the National League. So I definitely think that come July, that that's another month where you're going to be able to expand your lead again, maybe not as much as what you could do in June, 
but I certainly think that the month of July sets itself up in pretty good ways. And while, again, you technically can't deliver the knockout blow to the Marlins, if they sweep the Marlins, which, again, they've been magnificent at sweeping the Phillies, sweeping the Mets, I should say the Mutts, um, but they've been magnificent when they've gone up head-to-head against these teams in the division. If you can sweep the Miami Marlins this weekend, again, you really deliver a pretty good body blow to them at that point. And I don't know that they recover from all of that. Again, will they be a playoff caliber team? Sure. I think the Miami Marlins are are certainly in line to be a playoff team. But the difference between winning that division over 162 games, I don't think that they're I don't think that they're you know their lineup holds up uh, to it. And Alcantara has really not pitched all that well this year. The reigning Cy Young champion, unanimous Cy Young vote getter. I mean, I don't think he, you know again he hasn't played all that well, and it's it's not been, you know, a, a really good season for him coming off of his Cy Young. So sweep the Marlins tonight. Then you got Cleveland, and then you've got the Tampa Bay Rays. Tampa Bay Rays series, again, that can be a World Series preview. That's going to be a lot of fun at the end of the day to see how the Braves and Rays match up, and that will be in Tropicana Field, by the way, too. So the Braves will be on the road, who've been outstanding on the road. Uh, this year, what, 26 and 12 on the road this year? That's an outstanding number. So lots of space for the Braves to expand and make their lead even bigger over the Mutts, the Phillies, and the Marlins, and especially if you can take care of the Marlins and sweep them out of town here in this first three-game set. All right, as you listen in to Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, make sure that you leave us a comment on whatever podcast platform that you're listening on. Let us know that you're an everyday listener to the program. When I call them our every day or so, we thank you so much for being a part of our community and certainly being along for the ride with us. But let us know that you're an everyday listener, an everydayer to the program, listening in five days a week to Hitting Hard. So how close is Arthur Smith? So Pro Football Focus ranked their top 10 head coaches coming into this season. No real shock that number one is Andy Reid. No real shock either that Bill Belichick is number two. Mike Tomlin is number three. Uh, Kyle Shanahan, number four. John Harbaugh, five. Sean McVay, six. Doug Peterson, seven. Nick Sirianni, number eight. Sean McDermott, number nine. And Brian Dayball, number 10. Now, I by and large don't have a a real problem with the top uh, half of that list. And really, even through the bottom list, I mean, I think Dayball is one of those guys who really had a good season last year and got the Giants into the playoffs. And I think he showed that he was a really good head coach. But obviously, as Arthur Smith is not in the top 10 out there, where does Smith kind of fall in those rankings? Well, I would tell you that Arthur Smith right now is probably still an upper half coach in the league. He's got lots of respect from his peers and lots of respect from a lot of analysts where he's done a remarkable job with putting together a roster and maximizing their talent without having a lot of star power to it. So I think Arthur probably falls into that kind of 12 to 14 kind of range. You know, he's on the cusp of the top 10, but still an upper half coach in the league. And now this is going to be a chance for Arthur to really put his stamp and really put his blueprint on what this is going to be offensively for our team, right? He's got his pieces. You know, he's got his quarterback. 
obviously a, a top 10 running back selection, top 10 wide receiver selection, top 10 wide or tight end selection. He's got his offensive line in place. Guys are signed up and ready to go. They drafted Matthew Bergeron in the second round to hopefully start for this team. Okay. Um, you know, again, Matt Hennessy going to be a guy that's going to compete like crazy training camp for that left guard spot. But again, this is coming together for Arthur Smith that he's developing his offensive style, his offensive philosophy. We know that he's going to be a run first type of guy. He's been that way in Tennessee <clears throat> when he had Derrick Henry. And obviously now with Algier and Bijan Robinson, he's going to take two guys to kind of help mirror that philosophy. So I definitely think, and look, <clears throat> compared to the last guy that we had, and I don't want to crap completely on Dan Quinn. All right, we'll, we'll crap. We'll crap completely on Dan Quinn. Dan Quinn was not a very good head coach. Dan, Dan Quinn in year six was still doing all of the same mistakes that he was doing in year one. Remember the San Francisco game in his first year that we went, went out there and played and we lost and they didn't kick a field goal and this and that and ended up losing, you know, and again, they were, what I think the, the first team in the NFL to start off six and zero and not make the playoffs again. Dan didn't learn from his mistakes. The same things that were happening <clears throat> in year six with this club were happening in year one with them. Arthur Smith, I think, is a guy who's learning as he goes and he's learning from his mistakes. You know, again, I've always asked for a an advantage on the sidelines when it came to my NFL head coach, like there are guys that you look across the league, like Andy Reed, for instance, again, again, he's the best coach in the NFL, but he always goes in and gives you an advantage, right? I mean, when he's on the sidelines, you feel like you have the advantage with him at the helm. And I, and I've wanted that for years for the Atlanta Falcons that, okay, when green Bay or Dallas or Washington or whoever comes in, to play the Falcons. I wanted our guys, I wanted our coaching staff to have the advantage. You look and say, oh, okay, we, we've got the advantage in the coaching matchup. We may not have the advantage in quarterback or wide receiver or you know defensive tackle, but we've got an advantage on the sidelines that we can fall back on the fact that we have a really good head coach. And that's what I've wanted for years. I never felt that way with Dan Quinn at the helm. Never felt that way with him. And so now I think that we have an advantage when we go in week in, week out. I think Arthur's a guy who can adjust. We've obviously seen them hang around in different games. We've obviously seen them play in a lot of close games. And now if we can get over that hump of as far as winning some of those close games, then it'll all come together. But I think Arthur Smith is certainly a upper half coach, you know, maybe not top 10, because I don't really have a problem with, with the top 10. And look, Brian Dayball's a guy who, that could be Arthur Smith's spot all the way. But again, they're a playoff team. Give them credit. I mean, the Giants made the playoffs. They believed in Daniel Jones. They stuck with him and obviously gave him a big contract now in the offseason, and, and, it, and it worked out for them. But Brian Dayball was a guy who certainly made a lot of good decisions and certainly was a guy who gave them an advantage on the sidelines. That's what I want from our club. Again, we may not have Belichick or Andy Reid, okay, how many Super Bowls those guys won? Like 20? We may not have that level of coach, but I definitely think that when you look at where Arthur Smith could be 
in the Nick Sirianis and the Brian Dayballs and some of those guys. Maybe Sean McDermott, you know, again, I think he's done some good things with Buffalo. But again, I think I, the most important thing for me is that we have an advantage on the sidelines. When the Green Bay Packers come in to play us, do we have an advantage on the sidelines? When the Dallas Cowboys come in to play the Atlanta Falcons in Mercedes-Benz Stadium, do we have the advantage on the sideline? Because that's what I want more than anything. I, I want I want to feel like I have tangible um, evidence that points to my head coach being better than your guy, and, and he's going to make the better decisions and better adjustments and everything that goes along with it. So while maybe not a top 10 coach, I don't think Arthur Smith is very far off the mark. I think he's a, I think he's a top half coach. I think he does a lot of great things. I think you can see his scheme and his offensive philosophy all kind of coming together. And as they get more and more personnel to execute that, then his philosophy becomes clearer and clearer about what he wants to do. He's maybe a little bit against the grain when it comes to, you know, the fact of his offensive style, because it's a run first type of offense. It's not a chuck it around 600 times a game or 600 times a season type of offense. That was Matt Ryan and those guys. You know, Matt could throw it 600 times a year. Right now, we're going to run the football, build our offensive line, run behind that group, control the clock, be good in the red zone, be great in the red zone, and, and take control of the game that type of way. So I'll give Arthur Smith somewhere that 12-14 ranking, but I don't think he's very far away from being a top 10 head coach in this league. All right, well, thank you so much for making Hitting Hard with John Chuck where you first listen. Be sure to go in and leave us a comment on whatever podcast platform that you're listening on. Let us know that you're an everyday listener to the show. We thank you so much for being a part of our community as we want to hear from you and let us know that you're an everydayer to the program listening in five days a week. You can subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcast and get the latest episodes of Hitting Hard as soon as they become available. Check us out on the Sirius XM app as well, and then give me a follow on my personal Twitter page at JMCH316. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you on Monday. This has been Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, Locked on Sports Atlanta. 